Shalom and welcome to the Heart of Messiah radio broadcast. My name is Steve Weiler and I'm the lead rabbi of Shoresh David Messianic Synagogues. Currently, we are serving in Wesley Chapel, Tampa, St. Pete, and our newest location, South Bay in Riverview, along with Conexion, our Spanish-speaking congregation in Tampa. We're honored to serve the listening audience of AM 570 and 910 WTBN, Tampa Bay's Faith Talk. Let's begin our morning with the time of prayer. Would you agree that we need some prayer? <laughs> Father, Avinu Malkenu, you are our Father. You are our King. And Lord, let me just say that there is no King other than you. There is no Lord other than you. And you reign. You reign in our hearts through the power of your Spirit. You reign in our hearts through your Word. And Lord, we don't want to be anywhere else but in just with you. And so, Lord, I ask for a tremendous anointing today. And each time we speak about you and your word, that hearts would be touched and people would just know that you are the God of this universe. Blessed are you, O Lord. You are king. In the name of Yeshua, amen. Well, good morning, good morning. (laughs) I appreciate you listening to Heart of Messiah Radio. I'm Rabbi Steve Weiler, and each week I come to you uh, with some things that God has put on my heart, and uh, I hope that this week will be no different, that you will see that the Lord has uh, given me some of these thoughts to give to you. And uh, I, the past few weeks I've mentioned that it is important for me to stay on the air, if, if it is important, that I will need to raise some money. And I'm looking for pledges of $500 per month or 6000 for the year, and with that, I can stay on for a year. Uh, right now, I'm scheduled through July. And uh, so anything you can do to help in that regard, uh, that would be tremendous. Uh, you can go to our website, heartofmessiah.org. But the easiest way to donate is to just call our uh, office number, 813-831-5673. Speak to Karen in our office. Your support would be definitely a blessing to uh, our program. This week, we're going to start a new series. And this series is a little different. Um, It's on Messianic Judaism. And I'm going to try and talk about why Messianic Judaism is important, both scripturally and practically, especially to people who are church people. 
So let's start with what is Messianic Judaism. I believe that the way to speak about Messianic Judaism is it's a movement of Jews and non-Jews who have come together to express faith in Yeshua, which obviously you know is Jesus, as their Messiah within a biblically Jewish context. So I'm not saying just a Jewish context, because that would involve a lot of culture, and some of that is fine, but the key is it's got to be biblically Jewish. And and what that means is certainly we use the entire scripture from Genesis to Revelation. And we see that as one book with a number of covenants. Now, why would people want to do to be inv- involved in Messianic Judaism in this day? Why don't we just join the church? I mean, after all, the church has been around for 2,000 years. Uh, I've had a number of people ask me, why do you want to do something different? Don't we have enough groups around? Well, yes, we do have enough groups around. But I believe that Messianic Judaism is a response to God's end-time work and his prophetic calling. And so it's a movement. It's not a denomination. We don't have a formal headship. There is nobody head of all the congregations Actually, you know, we have different groups that uh, get together, but they're all very informal. And so Messianic Judaism, I believe, has grown organically because God has caused it to grow because it's time. And so over the next couple of weeks, we're going to discuss why it's time and how should it affect the church and the church people, Christians. I mean, look, we are one in Messiah. And even though I choose to be Messianic, which is a choice, and you choose to be a Christian, we are still one in Messiah. And that is a key element that we can allow some diversity as to how we do things, but the focus and the major is the major. And what is the major? We believe, you and I, or most of us, hopefully, (laughs) believe that Yeshua, Jesus, is not only the Messiah, but he is deity. He is part of the triunity of God. Amen? Am I hearing lots of amens out there? Okay. So we're going to, over the next few weeks, look at scriptures, get an understanding of what I believe is the supernatural and scriptural nature of the Messianic movement. So in this sense, we're going to embark on a scriptural journey and a spiritual journey. Before we do that, though, let me start with what I believe is the purpose of Messianic Judaism, and I believe that purpose is a God purpose. And then we will look at some of the history as to how we got to this place. So the first purpose of Messianic Judaism is to see Jewish people come to know Yeshua as their personal Messiah and understand, as I just mentioned, that he's deity, part of the triunity of God. 
Number two, the second purpose that I believe Messianic Judaism has is to encourage the church to return to the Jewish foundations of their faith. And thirdly, I believe that Messianic Judaism is to bring Jewish people and Christians or Gentile believers into unity in order that the world will know that Yeshua, Jesus, is the Messiah. And I believe this is extremely scriptural. In John 17, 20, it says, I pray not on behalf of these only, meaning my Jewish believers, but also for those who believe in me through their message, that they all may be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I am in you. So also may they be in us, so the world may believe that you sent me. So our unity is going to cause the world to believe that God sent Yeshua. And then in verse 22, the glory that you have given to me, I have given to them, that they may be one, just as we are one, I in them, you in me, that they may be perfected in unity. We are going to be perfected in unity. I love it. So that the world may know, once again, here it is, that you sent me, that God sent Yeshua, and love them as you loved me. This is Yeshua praying to God the Father, okay, in John 17. Check it out. And look, this is one of the, the, the basic principles of Scripture, is that God wants to see his people in unity. Now, it doesn't mean we have to agree on everything in Scripture, but it does mean that we have to overcome some of our differences so that we can be one. God wants us as the one new man. Look, even in the Hebrew Scriptures, it says this. In Psalm 133, Verse 1, it says, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren or brothers to dwell together in unity. And then in verse 3, it says, And there Adonai commanded the blessing, life forevermore. I mean, I believe that there is a great connection between unity and life forevermore. God is looking for us to overcome the things of the world in order to bring unity into his body and into the bride of Messiah. We need to get ready for this wedding feast that we're going to be involved in. So I I pray that uh, this is a backdrop because I'm going to say some things today, and some of this you've heard from me before. Uh, I think I'm going a little different direction this time, but But still, I I want you to understand that unity is the backdrop, because when I go over the history of Messianic Judaism and certainly uh, Judaism and the church, it is not a really pretty sight. Uh, So starting with the history of Messianic Judaism, I mean, I want to uh, go back to the first century, you know, where all the believers were Jewish, And the question back there would be, should we allow people who are not Jewish 
to believe in Yeshua? Imagine that being the question when things are totally turned around at this point. Now, there are two scriptures that changed the Jewish thinking about whether these Gentiles should be allowed to believe in Yeshua. Uh, one was Acts ten ten through 16, and this is the vision that Peter had. Let me read it to you. Now he became very hungry and wanted to eat, but while they were preparing something, he fell into a trance. He saw the heavens opened and something like a great sheet coming down, lowered by its four corners to the earth. In it were all sorts of four-footed animals and reptiles and birds of the air. A voice came to him, get, uh, get up, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, certainly not, Lord, for never have I eaten anything unholy or unclean. Again, a voice came to him a second time. What God has made clean, you must not consider unholy. This happened three times, and the sheet was immediately taken up to heaven. So later we find out that Peter understands that this was symbolic for the the Gentiles, who Jews at this time didn't even eat with at the same table, that God was calling them into the faith, into the Jewish faith, so that it would be okay to allow these people who were not Jewish to believe in Jesus the Messiah. And that kind of culminated in Acts 15. In verse 7, they were debating this. This was the uh, Jerusalem Council in Acts 15. And after much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, Brothers, you know that in the early days God chose from among you that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the message of the good news and believe. And God, who knows the heart, testified to them by giving them the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, just as he did for us. He made no distinctions between us and them purifying their hearts through faith. Why, then, do you put God to the test by putting a yoke on the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? But instead, we believe that we are saved through the grace of the Lord Yeshua in the same way as they are. And so we see that this was the beginning of people who were not Jewish, being, getting the word or the good news spoken to them. And in Acts fifteen nineteen, as uh, the conclusion of this Jerusalem council, it said, Therefore I judge not to trouble those from among the Gentiles who are turning to God, but to write to them to, number one, abstain from the contamination of idols. Yeah. Number two, from sexual um, immorality. And number three, from what is strangled and from blood. And so those were the only things that they were telling the Gentiles uh, who wanted to become believers in Yeshua that they must do or must not do in order to accept Yeshua as their Messiah. You know, it's estimated that in the first century, there were well over 100,000 Jews who believed in Yeshua, Jesus as Messiah. 
And um, these were Messianic Jews. However, there were many more Gentiles becoming, coming into the faith. And so all of a sudden, we see some things happening that were quite sad. But before we get into that, there are two critical events that caused what I would call the fall of Messianic Judaism in the, in the first two centuries. Number one was in 70 AD, the temple was destroyed. So uh, Jewish people were persecuted and many of them went either into what we would call the church or they went back into rabbinic Judaism. The second event happened between 132 and 135, which was called the Bar Kokhba Rebellion or the Revolt. It was a revolt against Rome, and there was this rabbi, Rabbi Akiva, extremely famous. He suggested the possibility that this fellow, Simon Bar Kosiba, could be the Jewish Messiah and gave him a surname, Bar Kokhba, which means the son of a star. And this was in the Aramaic language and, and comes from the scripture Numbers twenty four seventeen. Let me read it to you. I see him, yet not at this moment. I behold him, yet not in this location. For a star will come from Jacob, a scepter will arise from Israel. He will crush the foreheads of Moab and the skulls of all the sons of Seth. So these Jewish people rallied around Bar Kokhba, thinking he was the Messiah and they would finally be able to defeat Rome, and they were defeated. Now, during this time of war, Jewish believers had to kind of figure out which direction to go. Were they going to be with their Jewish brethren or were they going to be with their believing brethren who kind of were in Rome? And and those two forces were, uh, in some ways, against each other. And so they assimilated, oftentimes, into one or the other location, you know, in, into the church or into Judaism. Now, then came the anti-Semitism by the church. And if you're not familiar with this, probably you should sit down because it's not pretty. Justin Martyr, obviously very famous in 153, he actually said that charged the Jews with murdering God, as if that were possible. (laughs) Then we have Constantine, the Roman emperor, from 306 to 337, Not only did he support the separation of the date of Easter from the Jewish Passover so that there would be more separation between Christian and Jews, which took place in the First Council of Nicaea, but he said the following, It appeared an unworthy thing that in the celebration of their most holy feast, we should follow the practice of the Jews, who have impiously defiled their hands with enormous sin and are therefore deservedly afflicted with blindness of soul. Let us then have nothing in common with the detestable Jewish crowd, for we have received from our Savior a different way. Now, you might say, well, wow, that's awful. 
And you might think also, well, who should throw the first stone, uh, so to speak, uh, going back to what Yeshua said. But really, you know, people are this passionate even today about people who disagree with them. And I believe it's time that even in disagreement, we have to figure out how to not be quite as passionate and intense and ugly. So he could have said, hey, we'll separate Passover from Easter. He didn't have to call the Jewish people detestable, right? And deserving of being afflicted. I I think that went a little too far, wouldn't you agree? Then there was the Chrysostom of Constantinople in 344 to 407, and he said it's incumbent on all Christians to hate Jews. Then we have Augustine of Hippo from 354 to 430 teaches that the Jews are to be despised by the church to be treated like Cain. We can move forward to the Crusaders in the end of um, the 11th century. During the Crusades to Jerusalem, they actually burned down synagogues with Jewish people in them and marched around the synagogue singing, Christ, we adore thee. So, You know, we probably should stop here. There are a number of other things from the the way that the Jewish people look at the church, and you might want to know why they don't accept Yeshua as their Messiah. This might have something to do with it, wouldn't you think? But uh, we're we're running out of time, so let me just close by saying we're going to continue this teaching. For a few weeks, and I believe that God wants to do something very special. I mentioned that Jews and and those who are call themselves Christians and those who are Messianic Jews should be coming together in unity, and I believe that should be one of our goals. And in the next couple of weeks, I'm going to try and explain to you why this is a God thing. But as I said, we're out of time today, so I'd ask you to continue to listen. Uh, Each week, I try and bring you something that is from my heart that God has put there, I believe. Uh, I mentioned before that we're trying to raise money uh, in order to stay on the air. $6,000 for the year, $500 per month is what we're looking for in pledges and So if you can help us with that, the easiest way to do it is to call Karen in our office, 813-831-5673. And by the way, if you feel that you'd like to hear more of of these teachings, actually on Tuesday at 7 and Saturday at 2, I am doing teachings at our synagogue in Tampa Uh, for our membership class, but it's open to anybody who'd like to hear uh, me teach. And we're talking about the foundations of our faith. Well, listen, I thank you for listening, and may the power of God's Word and His Spirit saturate you this day 
as you grow in your desire to have a heart like the heart of Messiah, let's pray. Abba, Father, teach us your ways so that our hearts would be hearts of flesh and not of stone. May our words and actions always reflect the heart of Messiah so that everyone who meets us will know that Yeshua is our Messiah and King. You are Messiah, Yeshua Mashiach, Lion of Judah, the God of Israel. 